We're in the fourth week of a seven-week series on Be the Message. Pastor Shook uh, did this for his church a while back, and Pastor John has added uh, his touch to it. And remember week one was we need to be the message at work, at home, and at play. And week two was hear his voice. It could be a whisper, it could be a shout, it could be a holy disturbance as he described it. Last week he talked about finding your voice, that um, before you speak you need to open your heart. You need to ask Jesus to give you the words of compassion and truth and grace. And to move in to that person's life that you're ministering to and find their desires and their wants and their dreams. And today, we're going to start a process in how to find God's call for your life. God's will. He has a plan for you. Let me ask you a question. What motivates you? You know, if we were playing Family Feud, they'd say the top five answers are, and not in any particular order, is it fear? Are you afraid of something? Have you had an event in the past, and rightfully so, maybe your fear of your health, or of a relationship, or safety? Maybe it's anger. Maybe something's happened in your life and someone's betrayed you or done something against you or maybe something's happened to you and you blame God for that and you're just angry at him. How much do you think this Bible weighs? I didn't weigh it out, but maybe a pound? What if I held it out here for... A minute, maybe an hour. You think I could hold it out here for a day? That's anger. It just weighs you down. It just continues to get heavier and heavier on your heart. Maybe there's guilt in your life. Maybe you've done something to someone and you just can't forgive yourself. You've prayed to God and you've asked for forgiveness, but it just weighs you down. Or approval. We all want approval. We want approval of our mate, fellow classmates, teachers. Maybe it's a son or a daughter that just wants the approval of their father and they've strived for that. They've never quite measured up. Or you're on social media. You just want the approval of your peers. Maybe it's materialism. If I just had that much more, I'd be happy. If I just won the lottery, think what I could do. You don't have to look any further than lottery winners or... Hollywood, if you're looking for a 
good looks and fame and money? That isn't the answer. Let me ask you, why are you here this morning? Why did you come to church? When you got up this morning and you're getting dressed for church, did you think I'm going to go worship with fellow believers and I'm going to meet there the God of the universe? Are we just going through the motions? Are we just sleepwalking through life? The direction that we take determines our destination. You know, if I wanted to go to Mitchell and I pull out here to Highway 26 and for some reason I turn left and go east to Scotts Bluff, I'm not going to make it to Mitchell. And all of us have dreams. We envision of where we want to be spiritually or maybe physically or in relationships. And the question is, is, what direction are you taking? Because it determines our destination. If we know the will of God for our lives, if we know our purpose, it simplifies things. I can use that as a filter for my decision-making. All of us are asked, what are we going to do with our time and our resources and our talents? And we have to make decisions on that day after day. And it's hard for us to say no. And so I think sometimes we say yes to the good opportunities. But does that mean we have to push away opportunities that I would say are great opportunities? If you know your purpose, life gets so much simpler. It helps us focus on what's important. If we have a purpose, it gives us a passion. We, we just feel right when we're in that sweet spot. And it gives us meaning. These are the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for welfare, not calamity, to give you a future and hope. God wants every one of us to be blessed, to have an abundant life. He says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. God, speaking to the Ephesians through Paul, wrote, Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your time. Because the days are evil. And then he says, do not be foolish, but know what the will of God is. He compares, if you don't know God's will, you're foolish. And so this morning we're going to look at three initial steps in that process of finding God's will. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning, for the next few minutes, help us clear away the clutter, the white noise, and let us hear your words. 
Open our eyes. Open our ears. Penetrate our heart with your message. I pray that as we leave this place this morning, we will never be the same. Amen. Come on with me. Come on. You may not recognize me, but I normally don't wear these clothes. I'm, you see, a prophet 600 years before the time of Christ. And I've been given really a challenging project. For 40 years, I've been cajoling, warning, encouraging, disciplining the Israelites, and they will not listen to me. And it breaks my heart to the point that they call me the weeping prophet because I've wept over them. And I'm not having a very good time. And I'm disappointed. And God speaks to me today and says, Hey, come on down to the potter's house and I'm going to give you a message. And I'm going to tell you why your purpose has meaning. Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're struggling. The assignment you feel you've got from God isn't going very well. Maybe you just need a little nudge, a little encouragement from God. He knows where you're at. He knows what's going on. He says, come on. Let's go to the potter's house. Open your Bibles, if you would, please. Jeremiah chapter 18. Pew Bible is page 587. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me. I'm going to stop here for a minute. I don't know about you, but the first few times I read that in preparation, I just kind of blew over that. It says, the Lord gave another message. Jeremiah had to be listening. Have you heard his voice? Do you even know what it sounds like? Jeremiah did, and he knew it was the Lord. And he said, go, and I will speak to you there. And he said, and I did. Have you heard his voice? And he said, uh-uh, I'm not going. No way. Busy. And I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped, so he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, 
so are you and mine. He told Jeremiah, hey, I'm in control. I'm the potter. We're the clay. How many times do we think that we're the potter? That we're doing the molding? There may be some of you this morning that say, that's a bunch of malarkey. You may have a fellow worker or a spouse or a classmate that says, I don't believe in this stuff. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Jeremiah has been frustrated. God says, I know where you are. Rest in the fact that I'm the potter. He says, the Lord is God. It is he who has made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God is God. Doesn't matter what you or I think, it doesn't change the truth. Could you imagine if that clay pot could actually jump off the wheel and look at the potter and go, Do you know what you're doing? Now, if I was the potter, the clay jar would have legitimate argument because I don't know the first thing about making clay pots. But the potter is God. How often do we step away and say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but you need some help. You want some advice? This person over here, they're sick. They need help. Boy, Betty, she should be disciplined. And and we have all of these answers for him. And we begin to sit in the middle of life and push God out. Toby Keith had a song years ago that says, I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. I want to talk about me and my. And we become so self-centered and we get in the middle and we start to think that we're God. And that might work for a little bit, but it leads to frustrations and anger disappointments the message to Jeremiah is I'm God what you're doing has purpose to it the second thing is is he says I want to have a relationship with you God wants us to be part of his family so that he can bless us plans for welfare not calamity there's a problem it's called sin Every one of us have sinned. That sin creates a chasm between man and God. And I can't do enough good things to bridge that so God sent his son Jesus to die for my sins. He led a perfect life and he died on the cross, not for his sins, but for your sins and mine. And if I recognize that and I pray to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I want forgiveness. God will take my sins and put them on Christ. And he'll take Christ's righteousness and put it back on me. 
and I become a son of God. These things I have written to you in order that you may know you have eternal life. I think for the last, I don't know how long, 10, 15 years, I've heard a prosperity gospel preached. If you just come to Jesus, all your problems will be over. Spiritually, you're clearly in a better place, but your day-to-day sort of stuff doesn't just melt away. He can heal your illness, but there's a good chance he won't. You're still going to have relationship problems, financial problems. Life has its ups and downs, and being a Christian doesn't guarantee you that you're not going to have those struggles. But he wants you to become intimate with him. He wants to have a relationship with us. He says in Romans, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That transformation, that Greek word into English is metamorphosis. That's a moth to a butterfly. That's an internal, complete redo The world out there says, no, it's all about you. It's all about me. You deserve a break today. And he's saying, no, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How do you do that? You spend time with him. Time in the Word. Time in prayer. That dreaded M word, meditate. How are we doing on our 21-day challenge? I can tell you personally, meditating for me is hard. And I've meditated in the past, and I've taken the 21-day challenge, and I've tried different ways, and I am not capable of making the blank sheet and just closing my eyes and say, okay, God, speak to me. And within seconds, oh, I'm thinking about something else. Come on, discipline yourself. Oh, it's just frustrating. So I'll share with you some of the things that I've done. I'll sometimes read scripture and emphasize a word. Today I'm reading in John 14. I'm in the 14th day of a 21-day challenge. It says, do not be afraid, for I go away to prepare a place for you. So I might read that and say, God, what does that mean? What is the place? Speak to me. Open my eyes. I ask myself four questions. I visualize being at the foot of the cross, looking at Jesus. So are you the center of my life today? Does my character today reveal integrity and excellence? 
Am I living up to my commitments? To my family, my work, my friends, colleagues? Speak to me, Jesus. Search my heart. What needs to change in me today? Holy Spirit, work a work in me. Speak to me. And often, occasionally, I might get a name. I might get a nudge. How do you know the voice you're hearing is the voice of God? Usually it requires action. If you look at Jeremiah, it says, I got a message, and he said, go. It's always consistent with the Word of God. He wants an intimate relationship with us. And lastly, we need to be confident that he's shaping us into what he wants us to be. Remember, the potter is working. And if we read here, it said, the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. We're the clay. He's molding us and something isn't quite right. He doesn't give up on us, but he starts over again. Maybe you as the clay, you're just a little bit too hard. You can't mold it. You're resisting. How often have we said, if you just do this, then I'll do this. And from Genesis to Revelation, the message has been clear. No, 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 no. You, the clay, do this, and then I'll follow. We see that with Jeremiah. He said, you go to the potter's house, and then I'll give you a message. It's not, hey, I'll give you a message, and then you can decide whether you want to go or not. And I'll admit, I've bargained with God. Just do this, and then I'll do this. And Jesus says, no. Believe, and then I will show you. Maybe our walk is just too inconsistent. We're molding it, and we've got a reading plan, and six days later we don't know where our Bible is. We're just not there on a regular basis, and he can't trust us, so he puts the clay back and start over again. My mentor says, proof is in the continuance. Maybe there's a defect, just a little defect in our clay called sin. Maybe there's some sin in your life. You Come on, God. It's a little sin. I haven't hurt anybody. Nobody even knows about it. God writing the Philippians says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment so that you can approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless. That word sincere in the Greek, hilokrinos, means sun-tested. So if you're buying a piece of pottery 
back 600 years before Christ. You'd take that and you'd hold it up to the sunlight. And you could see if there's any imperfections. Sun-tested. God's Son tests us to be sincere. The reality is, is we all have flaws. We've all failed. And unfortunately, it seems to be an ongoing thing. We're sun-tested. He goes, we got issues. The beauty of our Savior. He's the God of second chances, ten chances, a hundred chances. He says, if my people humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn, then I will heal, I will forgive. Notice it's the same thing. He doesn't say, I'm going to heal and forgive so that you can seek my face. He says, no. If my people humble themselves, seek my face, and turn. You may have some sin in your life. You may have some issues that you go, he can't forgive me for that. That's Satan talking to you. If you humble, if you turn, he will forgive. God of the second chance, tenth chance, ten to the tenth power chance. He has a sovereign will that we can't resist, but he also has a providential will. And you can stick your arm out and go, no way, buddy. I've had it with you. And so we need to believe, confess, confront. Then we'll see the results. So the first thing is, is he is the potter. He's God. We can never forget that, that there's a purpose in what we're going through. And the second is he wants a relationship with us. If you've never accepted Christ, I would challenge you, explore this book. I think it is undeniably evident that there's a God that loves us and has made a plan for our salvation. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us not to conform to this world, but to be transformed by reading, by praying, by meditating, by fellowshipping. And we need to have confidence if we just don't see it all mapped out for us perfect, that he is shaping us. I think we could boil this whole seven-week series down into the Great Commission. I think that's what our call is. Be the message is to go and make disciples. Now, I'm really good attending church. I've got my quiet time here and maybe a Bible study and maybe a coffee group and... and I'm really good at huddling up in those things. Can you imagine next Saturday if the Huskers take the field, hopefully Martinez is our quarterback, and they huddle up and they never break the huddle? See how ridiculous that would be? 
As Christians, I think we do that. We huddle up. And the operative word is go. You saw that with Jeremiah. He said, I've got a message for you. You need to go. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but know what the will of God is. Word in Ephesians. Jesus mentioned wise and foolish people. He said, he who hears these words of mine and acts on them, wise, hear these words and don't act on them, foolish. If you've attended here for very long, you've heard the words. You've heard the salvation message, the good news. You've heard about redemption and sanctification and righteousness. And you've heard about the message, Pastor Giles, Pastor Ben, now Pastor John, Elder James Buck, you've heard the word. You have no excuse. Remember what happened to the two houses? The winds came, the rains, the floods. They slammed against both houses. Turbulence is part of the ride. As a Christian, you're going to get slammed. You're going to get rained on. There's going to be turbulence. And he concludes by, this house stood and this house fell. And he says, great is the fall. What are you building on today? I pray that your prayer is the same as mine. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Let's be the message. Dear Heavenly Father, the message is simple. You are the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me. Shape me. Help me to be a servant so that in those last days I can hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Go before us as a light and a lamp to the God who makes me stand in his presence blameless. Be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, now and forevermore. Amen.